This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. So if you have your Bibles tonight, which I know many of you do, open up to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 19. If you're looking for it, it's way in the back. So Hebrews has been a fascinating book. It has a lot of question marks around who wrote it, when they wrote it, who they were writing to. But it's broken into three sections. And the first section is making this argument that Jesus is superior over every form of God's communication with man. Jesus is superior to the angels and he's superior to the prophets and he's superior to Moses and he's superior to the priests. And then the second section is not just about how Jesus is superior as a messenger, but he's also a superior in the work that he does in purifying sin. And so it compared his work to the Old Testament work of the priests and the tabernacle and sacrifices. And again, Jesus's covenant was superior to the Moses' covenant that set that stuff up. And the tabernacle that he worked in was superior to the tabernacle that those priests worked in. And his priesthood was superior than the priesthood from Aaron, and his sacrifice, the sacrifice of himself, was superior to the atoning sacrifices of the Old Testament. But now rolling from section two, we're beginning section three tonight. And section three is saying, because of all of those things, because of Jesus being the superior messenger and Jesus doing a superior work, we can put our trust and our faith in him, so we must endure in the faith. No matter what comes against us, no matter how difficult things are, how discouraged we are, what kind of persecution we may face, we must endure because he is faithful and he is a faithful God. So let's take a look. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 19. And what's fun is if you're paying attention, you're going to be able to find all four of those things from section two that I just pointed out. So let's start verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Pause. So right there, you see all four of those things happening. We see we have confidence to enter the holy places. That's that's the superior tabernacle. That's God's very presence in heaven that that Jesus did his work in. By the blood of Jesus, this is talking about his sacrifice that he did for us so that we could be saved from our sins. And by the new and living way, What's new? The covenant. There's the old covenant and there's the new covenant, which Jesus installed. And then he opens us for us the curtain that is through his flesh. And we have this high priest over the house of God. And that is Jesus's high priesthood, all packed into those two verses. But a couple other things I don't want you to miss is that he compares the curtain in the tabernacle to his own body. Now, if you weren't here before, we talked about the place within the the, the temple, the most inner place called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And it was a place that represented God's undiluted manifest presence on earth. It's where heaven and earth met. 
And only one person, one time a year, could go in there, and that guy, the high priest, went in quickly, and he hustled back out. He'd sprinkle the blood of atonement onto the Ark of the Covenant, onto the mercy seat, and he would get out. Because if he wasn't purified enough, he would die in God's presence. And when Jesus died in Matthew 27, it says that at his death, that curtain in the temple ripped from top to bottom. And this wasn't like a curtain like when you're getting in the bathtub. No, this was a curtain that was as thick as a phone book and it ripped from top to bottom. And it's communicating to us that it's through Jesus's flesh being torn for us that it made way for us to know the presence of God, just like that curtain was torn between the rest of the world and God's presence. Oh, it's so beautiful. And so you have all of these things because Jesus did this work, because he went to the cross, because he was our high priest before he he stood before God as our representative. It all comes together. All five chapters that we've been talking about since Hebrews 6 come together for this one purpose right here. Since we have a great high priest, verse 21, over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near. This work was done for this purpose, that we can come to know God. Imagine you woke up one morning, I don't know about you, but maybe the first thing that you do is you roll over and you turn your phone on. It's like turning a spotlight off into your face, right? And you open up social media to see what's going on and you, your jaw like drops because you see all over social media, there is an uproar that in the royal family, in the British royal family, the prince has made an announcement that has turned the country upside down. He has presented his bride, and she is a prostitute. And you see that you just can't break your eyes off of this picture. It's the two of them together. And he is robed in radiance. He is in like, he's in gold and white, and he is in all his priestly royal robes and everything. And standing next to him is this girl who is emaciated and skinny and dirty. And it's obvious that she's addicted to something. And because of her debt, because of her addiction, she's living on the streets. And from from top to bottom, you can tell that this is a very unfortunate, very lost girl. And her life now is changing drastically. The country is in uproar. You see a couple clips of people being interviewed, and they can't imagine why he would bring this kind of disgrace into the royal family. It is far more shocking that God would bring us to himself. And you know, there's an interesting difference because they're gonna put her in beautiful clothes and they're gonna help her rehabilitate and he's gonna pay off all her debts and they're gonna represent her as the queen. Her status has changed drastically. She is now rubbing elbows with the most important people in the country. But you know what they can't change? They can't change her past and they can't change her family of where she comes from. And this is where the analogy breaks down because what Jesus does, when he goes to the Father to represent us, when he died on the cross in a brutal death to purify us with his blood, is that he erases 
our past. Throwing our sins as far as the east is from the west. And we actually are installed into a brand new family. The family of Christ. All those things have passed away. We have become new as new creations. Do you see the beauty in what Jesus has done? Because of all of these things, let us draw near. Let us stand at the side and in front of the one who loves us that much. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And if you're paying attention, there's, there's four elements of salvation that go on here, but there is this, this interaction between God and us. Look at this closely. It's so fun. Let us draw near with what? A true heart. Well, where does this true heart come from? Back in Hebrews 10, it talks about this new covenant that Jesus brings. And it says that he replaces our heart of stone with a new heart, with a heart of flesh. So we're coming with a new heart, one that God gave us, and we have full assurance of faith. So because God gives us a new heart, we can trust all of God's promises. We can rest that he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do. So we have God's work in us, and we have our ability to respond because of the work that he's done. And then it says it again, and with our hearts sprinkled with sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. This is talking about that high priest that sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. We have been sprinkled by the blood of Christ so that our sin is removed, our evil consciences, our sin nature is gone. And because he's removed our sin, he's purified our sin, we're able to give our bodies washed in pure water, an imagery of baptism. Now, whenever someone is baptized, how much of them gets wet? All of them. It's a symbol that we die with Christ, that all of us is now forsaken. And whenever we raised again, we're this new creation, we're in the new family. And we've given everything to him. Our futures belong to God now. Our past tests belong to him now. Our present moment belongs to him. Our talents, our time, our money, they're his. Full surrender. Whoosh. So because he purifies our hearts, we can turn over all of who we are to him. We're learning about what faith looks like. We're drawing with a true heart, full of assurance of faith. The first element of faith is relationship with him. Let us draw near. Relationship. But then there's a second element of relationship, or a second element of faith. It's an expression of faith. It's an evidence of faith. And that is, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. There, there are four let us's. I'm sorry, there's three let us's. The first is let us draw near. The second is let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful. Turn back just a few chapters to chapter six. We're gonna look at verse 11. This is what he's talking about. And we have assurance. And because we have assurance, we can hang on tight no matter what happens. We can have a persistence, endurance, perseverance, 
Chapter 6, verse 11. And we desire each of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope. How long? Until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Who are those? You can read through Hebrews chapter 12 and read about so many of the heroes that went ahead of us. We're imitating them in faith. What are the aspects of faith? Relationship. What's the second one? Endurance. If you rewound history, if you went back in time to AD 320, Emperor Lucinius was on the throne. And Emperor Lucinius had spent four years up until this point persecuting Christians, killing thousands. And he made this decree that anyone who claimed Jesus would be put to death. Well, the decree was brought by the governor in a certain city, in a certain providence. And he makes this decree known to all the Roman soldiers. But they weren't just any Roman soldiers. They were the 12th Legion. They were also known as the Thundering Legion. They wore a lightning bolt as a mark of who they were. Well, he makes this decree, the governor does, to the legion that every one of them would give sacrifices to the Roman gods. And anyone who wouldn't would be put to death. This is one of the most important, one of the most famous legions in all the Roman army. And he met no resistance until 40 of them came forward and said that they refused to give sacrifices. They all came from different backgrounds, different countries, spoke different languages, but they were a part of the same legion. And the governor had no idea what to do with these 40. I mean, these are really important guys. These are the guys. So first, he had them whipped. Will you deny Christ and worship to the, to the Roman gods? We will not. No matter what you do, we will not turn away from our holy faith. So they, they, they embed iron hooks into their sides and ripped them out. And they still refused. So the governor got frustrated. He didn't know what to do with these 40 Roman soldiers. So he gave an order. You see, it's a lot better if you can get people to give up their faith in front of their peers instead of just executing them on the spot. So he wanted to pressure them. So this is what he did. You see, it was March. It was in the last weeks of winter when it's at its coldest. And right outside the city wall, there was a lake so frozen over that you could easily walk on it safely. And the governor decreed that these 40 men were to be stripped naked and put out on the lake overnight until they either denied Christ or froze to death. And when the 40 Roman soldiers heard this, joyfully, they ran to the lake and undressed themselves instead of waiting to be stripped and went out on the ice. And the guards circled the lake to make sure none of them tried to escape. And just to make it just a little bit more enticing, the governor set up a hot bath on the shore of the lake. Any of them that would deny Christ and pray to the Roman gods could come and climb in the hot bath. As the sun went down, the miserable cold turned into frigid ice, freezing cold. And the 
40 brave Roman soldiers began to sing together. And they began to sing. And into the darkness, their voices were quivering and getting weaker and weaker as they began to freeze. And the warm orange glow of the bath became more and more enticing until out of this dark body of soldiers, one rigid man began to crawl towards the fire. The soldiers started taunting and calling to him and he fought his way all the way to the bath. He denied his Christ. He worshiped the gods as he climbed in and the heat caused such a shock to his body that he came convulsing out of the tub and died on the floor. 39 brave soldiers stayed on the ice. In the middle of the night, one of the guards was off duty and he fell asleep. And he had this dream. It was a dream of this blinding light and an angel from heaven bringing 40 crowns to the soldiers on the ice. 40 crowns. And he woke up with a jolt. Who is the 40th crown for? There's 39 out there. And he realized that this dream was his invitation. And in the dark, he leapt from his sleeping bag or whatever they sleep in. And he went sprinting to the lake, stripping as he went, crying out, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. And he joined the soldiers so that there was again 40 brave soldiers on the ice. By morning, almost all of them had frozen to death. And the bodies of those who were still barely alive and the bodies of those who were frozen were gathered together and taken and burned. And their ashes were dumped into the river and faithful Christians came and retrieved their remains. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. The first element of faith is relationship. It's an evidence. The second evidence and example of faith is endurance, like the 40 brave Roman soldiers. But let's not miss this. This is the most important line probably in this section. Why can we have endurance? Why can we be persistent? Why do we keep going when everyone else is caving in? For he who promised is faithful. This has never been about great heroes of the faith. This is not about Hebrews chapter 11, all the great men who walked in faith. This is a story not of man's faithfulness. It's a story of God's faithfulness. And again and again and again, as you read chapter 11, you're gonna read about how God was faithful to his people. God was faithful in suffering. God was faithful when everything else seemed lost. God was faithful to people's deaths. This is a story of God's faithfulness to us. Relationship, endurance, and there's a third evidence of the Christian faith. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The third evidence of faith, the third thing that defines faith is action. As you read chapter 11, every one of those names were men and women that took action because of their trust in God's faithfulness. They took action because of their trust in God's faithfulness. 
That is a defining factor of faith. James chapter two speaks to this. James chapter 2, 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So it's an evidence. It defines that we have faith, is that we take action. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Later, he says, if you want to say that you have faith without works, let me show you my faith by my works. Relationship, endurance, loving works. These are the definitions. These are the evidences of faith. And as we finish the book of of Hebrews, you're going to see that again and again and again. And there's three ways that our author here talks about how we relate to the body of Christ. And the first is love and good works, loving works. Now, love here is not defined as a definition. Love is an action. Love is is an, an operation of the will. It's a choice. Love isn't something you feel. Love is something you do. And good works. Out of love, we serve each other. Out of love, we care for each other. We serve and care and love people that are hard to love. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who use and abuse you. That is an evidence of the Christian faith. We love those who hurt us, who talk bad about us. Second, verse 25, the second way that we interact with each other is that we don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. This is a challenge that the Christian life is not a life of being solo. Let me say it another way. There should not ever be a solo Christian, a lone wolf Christian, a I got this on my own Christian. The Christian life is a life of community. It's a life of togetherness. It's a life of being knit together A life of faith is a life of togetherness. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, may your name be made holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins. No, there is an expectation that you, Christian, are a part of a Christian community, that you're getting together regularly. You have an opportunity every Sunday morning to come and meet together regularly. You can get together one-on-one as accountability partners, have Bible studies, have prayer meetings together. You can be a part of discipleship groups or life groups or home meetings. But whatever it is, regularly get together. Every week, you should be getting together with other Christians. We need each other. We need encouragement. We need accountability. We need to hold each other up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 12, Paul is speaking to this, and he is not letting them off easily. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he's comparing us, Christians, to the human body. And he says, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, that's us, 
though many are one body, and so it is with Christ. So we may all have different heights and weights and nationalities. We may have different backgrounds and families. But when we give our lives to Christ, we become a family. And that's a family that works together, not for each of our own purposes, but driven like, like the brain by the Holy Spirit, by the will of God in us and through us working together. And he goes on to say, you can't just, the eyeball can't talk to the foot and say, well, because I'm not a foot, I'm not important. Maybe you've felt like you weren't important before. And just because the foot isn't an eye, the foot can't say, I'm not important. Why? Because they work together. They're part of the same body. We need each other. There's talents in you that are not in the person sitting next to you. And there's, persons, there's talents in the person sitting next to you that you don't have. We need each other. God has given each a gift. Employ it for the use of one another. 1 Peter 4.10. So loving works, meeting together regularly, and third, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, what is he saying? He's saying that the day of Jesus' return, of his judgment of the earth, is getting closer. But as it's getting closer, the temperature is heating up for us. And all the more do we need to encourage each other. Hang in there. Don't give up. Hold fast to the faith. Endure. No matter how people make fun of you, hang in there. I'm with you. Let's lock arms and do this together. We need each other. Encourage each other all the more as the day is drawing near. So I challenge you, Elevate. Get plugged in somewhere. There's so many opportunities in our church. There's probably many opportunities in, a, in your family's church if you don't go here. Get plugged in somewhere. Make it part of, don't just make gathering with other believers something you do when there's nothing else to do. Well, I don't have any sports that night. I don't, I don't have any family stuff going on. I don't have this or that or that or this. YouTube shut down for some reason. I guess I'll get together with other Christians. No, prioritize every week. When are you getting together with other people? When are you encouraging other people? When are you loving other people? Make this part of your week that you plan out and you know what? Other stuff's not gonna mess with it. If you had a date with the person you've had a crush on, for the last three years, you would carve out all the time in the world to make that date happen. You can do it. Make your time serving God together with other believers a high priority that you're willing to push other things away for. There's has anyone ever been to California? Any show of hands? Have you guys ever seen the California redwood trees? They're monstrous. They have, they have a tree that's so big you drive a car through it. Kind of big. They're enormous. The tallest tree is 300 feet high. The oldest one is 2,500 years old. These are monsters. They're some of the largest things on land. The California redwood trees. Now, these trees, having stood for some of them thousands of years, they've endured earthquakes, they've endured hurricanes, winds, whatever, and they've stood the test of time. 
So you might imagine that if you were to take an x-ray and look at their root system, that you would see roots that would go deep, deep into the earth, right? Wouldn't that make a great sermon illustration? But instead, it's not true. Their roots are actually very shallow. But you see, there's not a single redwood tree. There's a forest of them. And their roots grow wide. And they interlock and tangle with all the roots of every other redwood tree until they're locked together. And you don't push over one tree without all of them being attached and bearing down to keep that tree standing. We need each other. God has called us to be a family. God has called us to be a one body with one Holy Spirit leading us. Let's love each other with loving works. Let's get together regularly and let's encourage each other. We have far too little encouragement among Christians. There's way too much drama and way too little encouragement. Be the change. Be the change. There's three aspects of faith that define faith, that reveal faith. Their relationship with Jesus Christ, their endurance through anything, and their loving action. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you made a way for us to be with you, to know you, to enter into your presence. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would come into your presence with deep reverence for the price that was paid for us. And Lord, I pray that, that as we are outside of these safe walls, that we would have the discipline and the guts and the courage to profess Jesus Christ as Lord. Oh Lord, when was the last time that we made it known that we were Christians? When was the last time that we said, Jesus is the one that I serve? Jesus is the holy God. Oh Lord, I pray that you would peel back the cloak from undercover Christians. Lord, that we would become light in the world around us. That we would be people of encouragement, of loving works. That people would see our works and glorify you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this place. Challenge us, but empower us to do your will. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.